Welcome to the Purposeful Parent Podcast, a podcast for inspired parents. I'm Melissa. And I'm Kristen. I'm a parent of two little girls and the founder of Inner Architects. I love guiding parents and giving them a space to meaningfully connect, communicate effectively, break cycles, and learn to intentionally parent their kids. I'm an educator, a children's book author, and founder of Language Ninjas. With Language Ninjas and my books on the power of our words, parents and kids are given tools to empower their language. On this podcast, we are highlighting parents and educators who are choosing to mindfully show up differently for kids. Welcome to the Purposeful Parent Podcast. Today, we're talking with Simon Kelman. Simon Simon is a children's book author, speaker, and a healer. Simon has been working with parents to bring conscious communication and experiences to the relationships between parents and children. And he's also been teaching children and teens life skills and meditation. Simon teaches from a heart-centered space and offers opportunities for people to empower themselves and thrive. And Simon, welcome. We're glad to be talking with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's uh... I'm very thankful. <laughs> too. And and we'd love for you to take us on a journey a bit as um to let us to yeah, to let our us and our audience know how your parenting journey and the path that you've been on has led you to what you're doing today. Yeah, totally. So uh I I will be openly admit that I was never a parent that was super planning to have children. It just, I wasn't against it. It just kind of came up. So we, we had a, um, a beautiful surprise, a beautiful gift in our life. And it was, it was amazing. And um, at that time, I was kind of working in the corporate world. And I remember kind of a little bit into her being born, I, I kind of had this feeling of purpose. Like, what is your purpose in life? It's, you know, when a child comes into your life, you, it gives you a very much different perspective. One, one of which was to what am I going to be as a role model for my child? Am I going to be this person that is like stressed in an office trying to meet targets every month? Or, or possibly am I going to be someone that is helping the planet or, or something along that line? So um, I kind of reached inside and I'd never asked these questions of myself. And I thought, well, what do you like? And I liked helping people. And so I, I kind of went on a big tangent. I thought, well, I'll go into osteopathy, like osteopathic medicine. So I kind of quit my job in Mercedes and then I, I sort of went into that work and it was beautiful. And I thought this is amazing. And as my daughter was obviously a little baby kind of going through, she was seeing me educating myself and seeing me uh, learning, which for me was quite special because I hadn't been much of an academic growing up. So my daughter was seeing an adult that was later in life that was, you know, furthering themselves and trying to better themselves. So, so she would pick up on all of this stuff. So she would watch me and she'd she'd be playing with bones and stuff because I'd have skeletons in the house and she'd be like playing with this stuff. And some of her worst words were like patella and things like these. So it was a really beautiful experience that I was getting to kind of grow with my daughter, which was a, it was a really lovely experience actually. And then uh, when she was about two, I was doing fantastically well at school. And I, one morning uh, I got up at seven and I'd wrapped her in this really huge blanket which I would never do. Like she was like four times as wide as she normally would be. I kind of, she was like this little bit in the middle of this like huge cushion. And I started to walk down the stairs at home and I slipped on the, the, the top stairs and both of my feet went straight out in front of me and I smashed down on my spine. 
And because she was in my arms, I decided, well, it wasn't even um, a choice. It was just instinctively, I just held on to her. But because of that, I took the full brunt on my spine and then hit my head. And I kind of rolled down the stairs and kind of kept her safe. She was screaming. My wife came and took her. And then at that moment, I realized something quite serious had happened. And I uh, seriously damaged my spine, actually. And it, uh, long story short, it uncovered brain injuries and all sorts of stuff. And from that point onwards, from sort of two until even now, really, it was a journey for me of uh, healing because I went back to needing complete care. Like my wife would have to care for me a lot and uh, financial care, financial assistance. I'd need like physical help. So it was it was a really challenging but very interesting time that I almost became a child again and I was kind of growing with my daughter. So I got a lot into meditation and stuff to kind of help myself because I had a lot of anger issues and stuff that were coming up and stress and anxiety and panic attacks. And again, I really didn't want my daughter to see an adult that was stuck in that and that couldn't get out of it. So I thought, well, I can't lie to her that I'm in a great space. So I would say, you know, daddy's not very well, but I'm doing my best to heal. So I would actively try and get her involved with sort of breathing with me and meditation and these sorts of things. And you know, it was it was beautiful that she was able to sort of see that stuff. And, you know, as a as a parent and as an adult and a male, like there was times when I would cry, especially with anxiety, extreme anxiety, that's that's kind of an unfortunate side effect of you kind of very emotional. <laughs> so she would see those things and I, I got to teach her about emotions and that it's actually healthy to process emotions and so this was kind of our journey. And during that journey, I kind of started leaning more into, although I thought I'd be kind of going more into medicine, I, I got more into sort of a slightly a spiritual path, really, and sort of breath work and being still and oneness and kindness and being loving to people and being kind. And that was kind of my journey. And it took me into teaching meditation. Mostly I was just with adults. Uh, but it took me into teaching meditation to different people and teaching all of the things that I was learning. And then at some point we moved to Costa Rica. And when I got here, I was feeling um, good about what I was doing, but there was, the, I felt a little bit empty that maybe I wasn't following exactly what was aligned with me. And I'd never really thought of helping children sort of as a, primary sort of teacher or anything I just sort of thought as you know as a parent and then that, that's the best I'll do and then I randomly wrote a book a children's book and it came out of a dream I woke up and I wrote this writing down and I went back to sleep and when I woke up in the morning I'm like oh I think I just wrote a book and then I, I published this book and it's about Wei and he's a warrior and he's kind of tired of fighting and he wants to get back to more of a heart-centered place and to be kinder and so he learns meditation and he teaches that to the, the children. It's called a heart mojo dojo that they come to and he teaches them meditation. And I thought, well, you know, this is a beautiful way for me to be able to, you know, I like creativity. So it's a very fun thing for me to do. It's very joyful. It's, you know, it's, it's not serious in any way. But I also get to teach what I feel are quite important lessons. And then children are able to read those lessons and they can choose for themselves if they believe it is a good lesson. If I, I think if I've done a good enough job, they'll read it and they'll go, yeah, you know what, that, they have some wisdom there and they'll take it on. So I'm not, I don't like the fact, the fact of teaching children by forcing them, like, you know, mm -hmm. this is what it is, this is what you've got to do. Because I feel in many ways, children are far wiser than most adults, actually. They, they align with kindness and love far easier than a lot of adults do. And we generally, as a whole, 
uh, can teach them out of that and then they have to kind of teach themselves back again <laughs> later in life, <laughs> which I think a number of us as adults that uh, if we are conscious, we kind of, we hit that wall and we're like, you know, I, something isn't working and, you know, I'm going to try and do stuff differently. So we, we start to learn and, you know, how can I be kinder to myself? How can I be kinder to my family? How can I kind of bring more love into the maybe work and everything that you do? So, and I, and I think that's an amazing thing. And to be able to contribute to that through writing for me is, um, it's very special. And then the side, the side element of this writing books for children is that I've had adults that have contacted me and, and I'm very big about mantras. So like, you know, saying things like I am enough, I am love, because we can kind of program ourselves to be closer to that sort of vibration. And I've had adults that have contacted me and said, you know what, I've been reading your book to my daughter at night or my son. And in the morning, I find myself saying those mantras to myself during my day. And this was, I think, was ultimately my goal was to be able to consciously and purposefully contribute to parents in some way that was positive I, from my own lessons and also for children. And that's kind of my goal with writing is to, to deliver that experience as best as I can. And then to also speak about this stuff as well. So to, to do presentations and also all sorts of stuff like that to bigger groups and parents. And then what has also come out of this is now I've noticed there's a bit of a gap in like the place where I live at the moment is very conscious and it's very much about self-healing. So there's a lot of parents that come here that are really doing their best to, to kind of really grow themselves as a parent. And that takes a lot of effort and a lot of time. And there's, they're really conscious about their children being in a very organic and kind of nature surroundings and kind of in a kind of a loving environment but there's elements of time where these children are they're kind of left to themselves a little bit and what I've noticed especially teenagers is that um, there's a lot of stuff on telephones that they can look at and guide them which you know that could be anything in the world it could be very beautiful it could be quite unpleasant a lot of children now don't necessarily get life skills taught to them like you know changing the wheels on the car and like how do I how do I check the oil on the car? If the battery goes on the car, how do I boost the car? And like, how do I build a box? And how do I change the, how do I change the wheels on my skateboard? Like just minor things that my dad taught me when I was growing up. And I, a part of me felt sad that if I don't pass on this information that my dad gave me. And so I've, I've started reaching out and looking at ways to teach teenagers how to how to do these kind of skills, but to also at the same time come from a place of kind of loving kindness and um, guidance from uh, quite a centered place. And at the same time, I kind of hope to teach them some skills, but at the same time that as an adult, they can come from a very loving place, they can come from a very giving place, they can be very accepting and they can pass on skills and that, you know, maybe there's not so much of a difference between adults and children or teens that we're basically we're kind of equal and that we can both learn from each other. So this is, this is kind of my theory. <laughs> I'm in that practice of seeing how that, how that works, but it, as I'm moving forward, it's actually getting quite, um, quite great reviews actually from, from, the, from the children that I'm speaking with and from parents and stuff. So, so that's kind of, that's kind of a big overview of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. There's so much there. Um, and 
I love too how like with your books with the mantras are also speaking to the parents and um I've written a couple children's books so when parents are telling me like oh I I learned from this I'm like good cool because I understand that I want the parents reading the books because they're the ones that are reading to the kids like if you there are great books for kids that are focused at kids but like parents are gonna I want them to enjoy the books too so hearing that like you have parents coming to you saying yeah I'm learning so much from the books um that's that's great and I'd love to talk too while we're on the topic of like you told us a bit about the way of the heart warriors I'd love to hear more too about Lucy and the Meadows in your upcoming book I'm bigger than my problems. Also, um, so yeah, tell us tell us more about them. For sure, yeah. So, so the first book, as as you said, was very much focused about um, kind of teaching meditation and actually being in your heart was the biggest mm -hmm. thing about that book. Um, where I'm living at the moment is I live in the jungle, basically. So I'm surrounded by nature, and this really is my happy place. I've noticed, and being by the ocean is a very happy place for me. And there's something very, I mean, I, I very much, I like spirituality and stuff. And, you know, you can look up like spirit animals, you know, like if a cat comes across you, like, what does that mean? You can look it up and they have this wisdom inside them. And, you know, people can choose to believe that or not. And, and I, I have no, I have no preference on what somebody believes, but I really think it's beautiful that animals have their own wisdom about them. Like, you know, owls are very patient and, you know, ants are very industrious and they work very hard. So you can kind of see a lot of wisdom in animals that we can learn from as, as an adult. Like we think a lot, but animals are very, they just, they just come from a natural state. Like an ant doesn't sit in a, in a chair thinking, you know, today I should work pretty hard because like I, <laughs> I got to go do these things today that's on my to-do list. They just naturally do that. And when we as humans in a very aligned state, we come from a very natural space. Like we just do things, you know, like we, when we feel very good, we, we hold the door open for someone and we're kind to people and, you know, we help people pick up their bags. So like that is our natural state. So I, I see a lot of wisdom in watching animals and what they do naturally that we as, as humans can sort of take on. So this book was very much about a young lady called Lucy and it's called Lucy in the Meadow and she lives on a farm. And it's just her experience of viewing basically from a window. She sees the different animals and, and how they work and like, and how we could garner some of that wisdom for ourselves. So if she looks at the cow, she sees that they kind of move slowly. So they eat slowly as well. Like I'm, I can be a really fast eater. So it's, it's great for me to think of, you know, how cows eat and, you know, slow down, like don't rush this, like savor the moment. And there's sort of like, there's elements of dogs in there, which dogs can be very protective and that, she learned from that lesson is that we can be, be protective of ourselves and other people around us. And, and so that was very much what came from the reason behind that story was this opening people's perspectives to seeing more teaching and more wisdom around us. And it doesn't, you don't have to be in a very special place. You can be anywhere in the world. Like I'm living in the jungle, but you know, the same, the same theories you could learn living in the city because you see people with pets and, you can see the kind of love and connection that you see there. And I also wanted to kind of open children's minds up. I think they see this naturally, but it, as they get older, a lot of this stuff, it can get kind of beaten out of you. Like you, you kind of get into the, the adult world and kind of, you know, all of this stuff that was naturally intrinsic within you as a child can kind of get kind of like pushed away and kind of, that's not important. You just got to do your, do your studying and do this. And, 
And I, and I feel we lose a little bit as, as adults by losing this kind of innocent connection to how we were as a child. So it's just allowing children to become aware because they, the one beautiful thing of being a human is that we're aware, we can be aware of our thoughts. So we can, you know, children are very naturally connected to animals. So they, animals are very connected to children. Like they'll, they play with each other and there's a lot of fun, but to be able to consciously sit back and see that, wow. Yeah. You know, that cats are really wise at doing this and dogs are very wise at doing that. And how could I kind of integrate that into my life? I believe that that possibly could help a child to look at the world from a larger space that, this story is about animals, but then maybe they can look at many things in life and look at it from a perspective like, oh, what is the lesson in there? Like, what, what can I see in that that could help me? And what is it about this that could be useful for me? So this is, this is partly what that was. Some of it was mm -hmm. just a love, a love of nature, a love of being in around animals and, and nature and, and to just make a very neutral like a book that has, there's nothing in it. There's nothing shocking. There's nothing about like, animals like like uh, eating other animals it's all very much about how they interact easily and that there's another lesson there as well that everybody is different so we can see all of the animals are very different if we were looking at this at human terms they would maybe look like different races or different genders or whatever they would look like but they all get along you know they they all they all kind of help each other and again that's just to kind of give the gift of observation that you know, people, people and things can be very different, but we can all kind of work together and we can all get along okay. And it's all very subtle things, but I think that children, when they see enough of this, they pick up on it. And, and, and my, my desire, I guess, is that um, it, it plants a little seed mm -hmm. and, and it's up to them how that seed grows. It's not for me to be there poking a finger and telling them what to do. I believe that naturally we are loving people that come from our hearts. It's just when we're stressed and kind of the world is a bit overwhelming that we get a little off track, but I think our natural state is a very kind and loving space. Most people as a whole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's just shining. That book was mostly just to shine a light. It's a very, yeah, it's a very just easygoing, simple kind of a book. And it has these lovely pictures in it as well, which are kind of the children love to look at pictures of animals. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that was the, the whole reason behind that book. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love mm -hmm. what you're doing. Um, we use books a lot with our children. I have a seven and five-year-old and um, very mindful books around different concepts and things. And so it's beautiful that we said about, um, you know, doing this kind of as an adult through adults to children. I think that's what these books are doing. So very cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And would you, yeah, what do you want to want us to know too about your your upcoming book that I'm bigger than my problems? Yeah, so this this book um, was it's partly a collaboration actually. My daughter mm. had watched um, had watched a I think it was a monk that was talking about problems as a whole, and my wife was uh, liking my daughter to watch it too because you know she's getting to she's ten years old now, so you know they're starting to get more of a uh, a conscious awareness of themselves and you know there's a lot of stimulus from different children and stuff now that you know there can be problems start to arise you know between children and stuff there's different things that come up so she was keen on her just to learn a perspective of you know like if we problems look very big but you know 
if we spend enough time kind of looking at them and just allow them to kind of dissolve is that problems can be quite small and that we are actually bigger than our problems. So they don't kind of overcome us. So this is what I heard them talking about. So, so I, I was keen to write a book with my daughter and so she gave this idea and then I just wrote a story about it. And it's about a young, a young girl who's named after my daughter, Felicity. Mm-hmm. And she, she speaks, it's very rhyming. I use rhyming a lot because rhyming helps children to remember, mm-hmm. like it helps the brain remember stuff. And it's very colorful. So it's in a jungle space. There's a lot of animals. Again, you can see, you can see a bit of a theme here. And she meets a fairy. And this fairy is kind of on a four-leaf clover and this fairy talks to Felicity about, you know, I'm very small as a fairy, but so everything is big to me. Mm. And the fairy talks about how her mom, who was also a tiny fairy, said that, you know, Millie, you're bigger than your problems, even though things look very huge, that you are bigger than them, that you're kind of made of stardust. You're actually, we are, like scientifically, we are made of stardust. So we're, we're basically as big as the whole universe when we look at it in that, that way. So she teaches this lesson that although we as a person may physically be quite small, that we are much bigger than this sort of physical space that we, we are inside and we can affect many things in a different way. So she, she tells a little bit of a rhyming story about being bigger than your problems, basically. And, and it's just sort of joyful and it's sort of it's relaying some, some stories that this fairy had been told by her mom. And then she is sort of passing on this story to another child which is felicity in the story and then i am telling the story so it's a lot of storytellings of storytellings of storytellings and yeah so that was the big the big thing behind that and and some of that came from my own personal story of you know when i was really unwell and really struggling like everything was a problem even like cutting a piece of bread was a problem i had to watch i wouldn't cut my fingers off because i couldn't see properly and you know, walking down a set of stairs was a big problem. And if I had focused just on those problems, I don't know if I ever would have healed because I had so many that it didn't feel like I could ever get any further forward in life. And it was a very slow journey. It took a year and a half for me to get any sort of like reduction in anxiety and panic attacks. So it was, it was such a, it seemed like such an endless, endless journey. I remember but, you know, I just would think, you know, there's a chance that you could get a little bit better. There's a chance, you know, just to be, can I be a little bit bigger than these issues that I have? And, you know, I could. And, you know, if I connected with gratitude a little bit more and love, it was easier for me to go. And then over this very slow process, what I realized is that I had some really huge problems. But when I started to learn skills and different mindsets is that they could become smaller problems. It, did, it didn't mean that the spinal injury went away in a day. It just meant that my perspective of that injury could be different so it went from a huge problem that could never be healed to something that really had a chance of healing to something that I was certain that I was going to get over and that was just really a lot of that was just changing the perspective on this what looked like a big problem into smaller ones or just chunking big problems into smaller problems so that I could overcome these little pieces so I noticed um, now with a lot of children with social media is that and with kind of group consciousness is that they can make huge problems out of nothing. Like mm. there they could be nothing like, you know, like, you, you know, I'm, I'm skinny. I always been skinny, but you know what? <laughs> My mom always said, you need to eat more food. You need to eat more food. So this was a small problem. Really. It wasn't really an issue, but it felt like a big problem to me. And if I was watching on social media that, you know, somehow skinny people or there's something wrong with that, then I would start taking that on, you know, that's, oh, that's a really big, 
issue. That's a really big problem, but really it's not. It's just this like conscious awareness that makes everything a huge problem. And I notice with children is that through things like social media is that they're seeing things that are really not major and they're becoming huge in their lives. Like they, it can really like guide them down a different path or it can really ruin their self-worth. It can make them feel horrendous. And so it's, again, it's just teaching some lessons about perspective and observing things and allowing things to kind of shrink and dissolve so that we don't feel like the problem. We can almost like separate the problem from ourselves we can observe it. And my vision is, is that when you look at a problem for long enough, it will, it will disappear at some point because it, it runs out of, it runs out of energy. Like problems become, they keep going because we start thinking of like, what if this goes wrong or what if this goes wrong? But if we can just stationary, put it in one space for a moment and just watch it, it can get smaller. And that's not to trivialize people that have really huge problems because some people do. And I meet a lot of them um, through my work with healing work. But many things in life, 99% of stuff that we worry about never comes true. Um, and so it's really, it's like an old, it's an old lesson that my grandma probably told me, you know, like, you know, 90% of what you worry about doesn't, doesn't ever come true. So it's just reteaching that, that, you know, problems can be smaller than they are. So that's, that's a very long winded way of explaining quite a short book. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the language work and the that I have done includes um, getting stories out of your head and down onto paper. So it's kind of what you're talking about with this separation from the from the problem, which is really cool. It's a really really great lesson to start talking to kids about. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like it's um, and I think as adults we didn't get taught a lot of these skills. I mean, some people were very lucky; they had parents that did, but. Mm-hmm. I think the reason that we're we're on podcasts and that we dedicate parts of our life to to doing stuff like this is that we, we didn't know a lot growing up. Like we were mm. kind of, you know, we were told to, you know, just tough it out and do this. And and that's the lessons that a lot of us will teach on to others because we can only teach from what we know. So a lot of these lessons now I think is is finding different I think it's just the same lessons like if a lot of what I teach is spirituality actually like this is stuff that's been taught for like thousands of years from like Buddhists and all different types of spirituality whatever way you want to look at it um sages and whatever you want to call them and it's just in a way just teaching in a way that people can relate to like you know I'm not very keen on teaching about you know like really deep the stuff where I have to wear a tie-dye t-shirt and lots of gems around me and kind of and, and like you know it's speaking in a very mystical way like I love that stuff but I don't it's not who I am really as a person as I go out and about so I like to take a lot of what I learn from from those sort of realms and convert it into a way that's very simple and easy for people to kind of digest and hopefully if it has some pictures and some words and stuff mm-hmm. with it and maybe it's rhyming and it's fun then maybe there's a good chance that like in a 10 page book that someone could learn something that, you know, some sage wrote a hundred years or 200 years ago in a big, thick book, mm-hmm. like just a simple lesson. And, and that's, that's, that's ultimately what I would like to do. It, it, it ticks a lot of boxes for me. It gets me to keep connected to, you know, love and being kind and spirituality, which are really a big part of my life. But at the same time, it's just teach it in a new way, which is fun and sort of joyful that, 
that children can consume in a way that it doesn't feel like it's being pushed on them and that they get to choose if they if they take that like they get to choose that, yeah that's that seems like a good idea you know it seems like a good idea to be kind it seems like a good idea to have my own boundaries you know if somebody is not being nice to me that it's it's you know it sounds great to have my own boundaries and that's okay too so it, like these are sort of lessons that i think are probably they seem remedial but i think as a lot of parents we don't necessarily know them all mm-hmm. and we're all learning them <laughs> so and i think sometimes the best way to learn yourself is to teach other people and mm-hmm. so so you know uh, some of this is is possibly therapy for myself while i'm doing these things reminders and and yeah, that's just, that's just my perspective on how to go forward. But obviously, I don't push on anyone. It's just mm-hmm. my way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so from there to your, you're working with parents, helping them create relationships with the their kids. So what, yeah, tell us some about what you're doing for helping parents be more conscious in their relationship. Yeah, well, I'm going to recite a little story here. Mm. So I just read um, the autobiography of Mother Teresa. And there's a little library here in town. And it's um, we live in basically the jungle. So there's not a lot of books here. And most of them are in Spanish. So um, you when you go to the library, you just kind of pick whatever book is there. So I, I picked the book on Mother Teresa. I would never normally read that book. Anyway, so it, it spoke about a lot about helping the poor. And that was her, her journey. But towards the end of her life, what she started to realize is that she was getting a lot of funding from like very wealthy people. And they were giving money because they saw that there was a lot of poor that didn't have any money. And their mother, they also, some of them wanted to do more like help physically. And she said, well, you can't, like you're in America, you can't come and help in India. So she started to realize is that, that a lot of homes were very poor. They were poor in that they didn't have as much love that she she believed like she she saw that these homeless people that they were working with were getting more love than some of these people people that were basically very wealthy in the western world so so she actually towards the end of her life she was actively encouraging people to just be you know that one of the best things you could ever do in your life is to just have more love in your own home that's it she said if you do nothing else you have done a big success like that was it that, and this is from someone who i mean people will see as a saint really but she said that, you know, you don't have to have to necessarily go out and help all the poor firsthand. She goes, you know, if that's your thing, you go do it. But she said for you as a Westerner, this because mostly who she was speaking to at the time, is that if you just spend the time creating more love in your home, you know, I, 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 I'm hesitant to talk about spirituality or any sort of like religion and stuff but you know if that's what brings it to you that's what brings it to you but just you know just to be more kind and loving to each other really in your own home like you know if you're having a bad day instead of taking out on your husband or wife or children is that maybe you kind of calm yourself for a while and then you you say something a little kinder and that's she that was what she was teaching and she said that that was probably one of the poorest things that she saw on the planet so through my kind of my work um a lot of people I work with like when I was just doing kind of healing work and energy healing is that they're usually parents like um, I would normally get sort of like 30s and onwards so they maybe they're young parents or they have a few children and this would this could be a common thing that would come up with certain people like if they especially if they have breakups and stuff sometimes that's why they were coming to see me they were kind of trying to get over some of the emotion they were feeling and they would talk a lot about like in the home that, you know, like one person was working all the time and then, you know, there wasn't this connection and, you know, like the children were disconnected. So 
So I saw that this was an area that I could, I could contribute to in, in a very kind way. Because when I was very unwell, I could have been a really mean and unpleasant and horrible person all the time. And I would have had a good excuse for it because I had, you know, I had spinal injuries and, you know, brain injuries. I could have given all the bits of paper saying that this is the reason why I can be mean to people. And this is why I can be sad and like feel sorry for myself. And, but when I looked at the times, if I ever did that, and I looked at the, the look on my daughter's face, I was like, man, this is the, don't do this. Like, this is the, from my level of where I am, is just, that's one of the worst things I'd ever want to do is to just dump all of this on my beautiful child that really just just wants to love me and be kind and just you know have a nice relationship so I spent a lot of time trying to be the best parent I could be and it was a very wobbly road you know as it was a it was a one that kept going upwards but it had lots of peaks and troughs and I see that same that same world for a lot of adults and 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 a lot of the time what I noticed is that a lot of it is that we're not accepting sometimes of other people. And, you know, some of this is passed on to us from our own parents. Like they had very domineering grandparents quite a bit, could have been domineering on our parents. And then those traits kind of get programmed into us. And then that kind of gets passed on to them. They put it onto us as our parent. And then, you know, that can get passed on to the child and then they pass it on to their child. And at some point there's going to be someone in that chain that says, no, not anymore. I'm going to do my best to kind of stop this trait that keeps going on. So this, that's kind of a lot of what I see. And I find relationships, I think people look at like, you know, I want to find a husband or wife or whatever their partner may be. And they sometimes are looking to fill a hole. Like, you know, this, if I feel this person's really good at confrontation, I'm not. So they'll fill that hole for me and then together we'll be really great. And that does work for a while. And then ultimately what we find out is that we each kind of are a catalyst for each other, that we can be quite good at poking and finding the points in us that are little soft spots. And I see this as a way of growth. So actually I see relationships really as instead of it just being this, you know, wonderful, loving thing that nothing ever goes wrong to actually like a place that forces us to, to choose to grow. We can, we can choose to run away from it or we can choose to grow. And then when you add children into that as well, you know what, then it's, then it's, you can't avoid it anymore. You know, when you're exhausted and your child has just thrown something on the floor or in the car and, or on your clothes and, you know, like it brings up a lot of stressful situations. And so a lot of people that come, would come to me, they, they would cite a lot of this stuff. They would say, you know, like, Oh, my children do this. And, you know, they're the problem. And, and some of that practice is, is actually seeing what is showing up in your child and see, and finding it in yourself that, you know, if I blame my child for being angry at, at people, well, what, where in me am I not seeing my own anger? Like, where, where is they learned that from? Because, you know, babies are generally, they're pretty good. Like, they just, you know, they cry when they're upset, but they don't generally get super angry at people all the time. Most of them are pretty, like, they're pretty loving as a whole. So they learn a lot of this stuff, and, and there's a good chance they've learned it from us or peers. So I, some of the practices I do with parents is just, is in a very kind and loving and supportive environment is, is help them to see what, what is irritating us in either our child or our partner. And then find that stuff in ourselves and then just, just love those pieces and can they kind of dissolve. And there's many practices we use to, to, to kind of do that. And that's a big part of it. Um, I had a client not long ago, actually, well, it was actually just a conversation and they had four children. One of them, um, they said the biggest problem is that she was very angry. Like she would wake up in the morning and she would just be like angry and they said for no reason. And it's like, it would like completely consume the whole house. Like everybody was okay. And until the last child woke up 
and just was was angry and then the whole house was like rushing they couldn't get out of the house she would like she would argue with the other children and and ultimately what came out of this is i said well can we can you just love her for who she is you know like mm-hmm. maybe that trait of her being angry and kind of very forceful is going to help her later in life so if you just love her as she is like don't fight it if she's angry just allow her to be angry and just you guys just do your own thing mhm that hopefully Hopefully that she'll feel that that's okay to be her own self and that maybe that'll change. And in two weeks, she said it was a different experience at home, completely different, like the whole house mm. completely changed. They, but all they did is they just allowed their child to have emotions. <laughs> that's mm. all it was. They, these, the both parents were incredibly loving. Like these are the kind of people that you just want to hug them when you meet them. So they weren't a big fan of anger or that type of energy, which I don't know if many of us are really. So when it came up in a child I think they saw that as like being a bad parent like you know if my child is angry that something is wrong with me like we got to teach her better stuff but what really helped is that it was just allowing their child to be their own personality and by doing so they actually internally in themselves as parents they allowed themselves to feel anger too and they allowed themselves to be okay with you know sometimes I get upset I'm not going to take my anger out on my family but maybe I'm going to go and throw some stones into the river or maybe I'm going to go punch a boxing bag for a minute and then allow that to flow and and out of that short conversation we had for 30 minutes with this family um it made a big change for their them as a whole it allowed them to be more accepting as each other so so a lot of the times i bring up anger but it could be anything like it could be any sort of emotional trait and a lot of the time this is what comes up with um within families there's this conflict between different elements and there's usually the, it feels like they do it to each other and it's almost mediating that and finding a different perspective of what this can be and for this family because she was a girl something just came in my mind and I said you know what later in life you know as a parent you you would really like a child especially when i look at females that they can they that they can stand up for themselves if they need to if they're in a situation they they can say no and that no is a full sentence they don't need to explain what the no is and that you know you meet those people that when they mm. say no you're just like oh yeah don't go any further <laughs> some people have that skill and this this young girl had this from birth like it's amazing like you know if she didn't want it that was it and she wouldn't be twisted and she wouldn't be changed and if you tried to twist and change she became even more, more angry so by them just allowing her to be that what came out of it i thought you know later in life when your daughter is like 19 maybe she's in a situation with a with or well, we'll just say some sort of partner and their partner is trying to push something onto them that they don't want do you think that that skill that she has now will be really useful for her when she gets older and he said oh he goes that's it he said that's all i needed to know he said that's it he said that's exactly why she's like that and and you know that may or may not be true later in life but it and it enabled this gentleman to let go of the need to change his daughter that something was wrong with her and she's still the same person she still is you know she's a bit surly at times that's just who she is as a as a human as a little human growing up and i'm sure she'll probably like that quite often but because they don't resist it and they don't fight her anymore it's a much more fluid relationship they just allow her to be and he said that it was a completely different experience and um yeah so that's that's kind of some of the work that i do with parents and then some of the other stuff is teaching how to communicate in different ways um and also one of the bigger ones is how to regulate yourself so if you get very big strong emotions is how to regulate those and to integrate them and process them 
usually on your own somewhere else so that you're not throwing it on someone. So then, then when you come back to broach the conversation is that you're in a kind of a calm centered space and that's it. I don't try and teach them how to fix the problem because a lot of the problem is usually we're really emotionally charged and we will, we want to send that emotion somewhere. So when we have learned how to calm a lot of that emotion down and just be more centered, when we have a conversation, it's usually a lot more productive and we're more willing to listen as well. So we don't listen as much sometimes. So we, we don't necessarily listen to what somebody is telling us. Like they may be saying, Oh, I can't stand it when you leave all the plates in here. But what they may be saying is, I don't feel like you really care about me because you leave plates. Mm-hmm. So those are two different things, but, but the underlying kind of emotion there is, is a really powerful one. That's a, like, you know, you don't really care about me because you leave plates in the, in the sink. But what they may only tell you is that you always leave plates, you always leave a mess. And then that person gets self-defensive about, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm not good enough because I work all day. I haven't got time to do plates, you know, all the conversations that can kind mm-hmm. of come up. So, so that's, that's part of that as well. So it's, I really just try to simplify stuff for people mm-hmm. and, and lower emotions and just help them to communicate. And then I find that people just, they, everything works out for themselves then. Yeah. I, I'm not a strong believer necessarily in like, this is the path you have to take. Like you have to be this type of parent and you have to be like this. And this is the steps that you take every day. Mm. Um, I don't say that's, that's, it is useful. Like it's great, but I believe that we're very wise, all of us whatever we think of ourselves, I believe everybody is very wise. I believe we have a deep wisdom within ourselves that kind of gets hidden sometimes if we're very emotional, if Mm. we feel not quite ourselves. So when people are in a place where they feel centered and within their own power, is that generally stuff, they seem to be really good at doing stuff. They seem to be really good at mediating. And um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's my, my vision on just helping people to be Self-empowered, I guess, is a word mm-hmm. that you use a lot, but to, to enable them to be self-empowered and then choose their own path from that place of self-empowerment and, yeah. and hopefully to encourage them to be kind and loving. That's, that's, my, mm-hmm. that's, my, that's my things. And then, uh, yeah, so that type of work, that's, that's where it usually kind of leads to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so beautiful. Um, just important too to simplify everything down. It sounds like with your books and with the work that you're doing, that you're doing like that's your main focus is bringing simplicity and allowing people to within there figure out what works for them too. So yeah, like you said, empowering people. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's it's great. I love I love your message. I love what you're doing. Um. Uh, Melissa, as we're wrapping, is there anything you want to ask or add? Uh, no, uh, I agree. It's it's beautiful, the work that you're doing and um, so, so needed. So thank you for, for stepping into that role. Um, we can close out with our, with our final question, Kristen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested personally to see, uh, Simon, where, what you're doing um, with your daughter, so. I'll let you ask, Kristen. Okay. <laughs> okay. So before we ask the final question too, um, where can our listeners go to find out more about you and find your books too? Okay. Yeah. So I do have a website, which is www.sograteful.ca. And then uh, if you're looking for the books, you can go onto Amazon globally. 
you can go uh, two ways. You can type my name, Simon Kalman, and the two books will come up. Or you can just search for Way of the Heart Warriors is one book. And then the other book is Lucy and the Meadow. Mm -hmm. And you can get those on Kindle and uh, printed version, and those will ship globally. Mm -hmm. so they're, are... also, yeah, they're also linked on your website as an easy click too. They to are, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to the website, you can also find the books there too. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, cool. And then what is an action that you recommend for parents to take to parent more purposefully? One of, you know, I'm going to, there's so many, but I'm going to pick mm -hmm. one that is really, really, really powerful. And this is a little technique that I learned. And it is one of listening. Like I can talk a lot. So sometimes I have to watch myself that I'm not like, over talking and I can do that also with other people and children my daughter sometimes so so it's just to stop and to genuinely listen so I, I if we're having a conversation is that there's a technique I can't remember actually the name of it but the person speaks to you and they, they say to you so my daughter might say you know I just wrote this beautiful little story and then you just repeat back to them so you consciously you say okay so I heard that you just said that you wrote this little story is that right and they go yeah okay, is there anything you wish to tell me about that story? And then, and then they tell you a bit about it. And then once they've spoken to you, you process what they said and you say, okay, so you've said to me that the story is about this, this, and this, and this. And then they will agree or not agree. And if they feel there's more they want to add, they can if they want to say less, then, then they don't say any more. And that practice of just listening is so incredibly powerful. And sometimes we don't even have to reply. We just sit there and we listen. And while, and the biggest part of listening is that when the sound waves are coming to you and it processes through your mind, is that when you have thoughts come up that tell you how to fix it, change it, is don't follow any of those. Let all that stuff go and just listen. So we just listen to what they say and that's it. We don't offer a, a way to fix it. We don't offer anything other than just being present and listening. Because I, I really feel that everyone on the planet just wants to be heard in some to some degree and I think we as parents grew up I know in, I grew up in England is that there was a lot of you're told and like be quiet and just listen to me the parent and don't speak that was a lot of it. it was like you know do as you're told and just be quiet and I think as an adult I really didn't want to do that to my own child so to just stop and listen uh, and, I, and I think that's a really great and it's a really, it's an act of meditation as well. There's a lot of meditations that are that process where you just listen to sound. You allow that sound vibration to come to you. You allow the words to kind of flow into you and you register them, but you don't act on them. You don't say, oh, I could fix this. Or this is a really good idea. You just allow those words to be. Allow that person to be. And you know, they're going to be okay. Like if they haven't, get, if they haven't told you the right answer to the, whatever it is that they're talking about, it's okay. They'll learn the right answer at some point. We don't have to correct them right now because they're going to learn as they grow. They're going to learn stuff. You know, at one time my daughter couldn't read and now she reads in Spanish and English. And, you know, the Spanish came in, in seven months. She's, she's like, uh, she speaks with friends and people all the time in Spanish and I've done nothing to help that. I just listen. So, so yeah, that's, that's it. Just to listen so even if it's just, you know, even if it was 10 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day, you just sit and say, Hey, could you talk to me for a minute? And I'll just listen. And just allow them to speak. You may be amazed with what comes out of their mouth. And they're so 
children are so amazing and so creative and so observant that you, you might be stunned by the, the wisdom that comes out of your this little being that's with you. So mm -hmm. that, that's that's my little action that I like to do. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for talking with us today, Simon. We really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you both very much. And uh, I thank you for what you're doing and uh, creating this sort of space that parents can come together in an open and accepting environment. And together, I think we can all learn and grow. And, and I believe that on a scale that can help our families, but also on a larger scale, kind of people around the planet as well. So thank you very much for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the Purposeful Parent Podcast. We had a really great time talking with our guests today and hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Make sure to check out the show notes to get more information on today's guests and to check out what they are up to. To learn more about Melissa and Kristen, follow the Purposeful Parent on Instagram. You can also check out what Melissa is up to by following Inner Architect on Instagram. And to keep up with Kristen, follow Language Ninjas on Instagram. We'd love to hear how you are choosing to purposefully parent, so please feel, feel free to reach out and say hi.